Yeah, on board um, uh, Gary, who. all say good morning. Um, it's uh, quite a long time since I've stood behind a, a pulpit. Um, having retired some three and a half years ago or something like that and uh, a lot of water has gone under the bridge and a lot of things have happened in my, our lives over that last three and a half years um, that uh, has been quite hard for us uh, as, as a family. But let me say it's good to be here and uh, just for your own information I did catch up with John and with Jeff the other day at a QB meeting and uh, John filled me in a little bit and uh, Jeff about what's happening at Younger Bar and also what you've been looking at here as a church, how you've been looking at uh, I think seeing what Jesus sees, is that uh, what you've been looking at? I'm glad then because I've, I've made the right message then, <laughs> otherwise we're in trouble. You know, I have to say that uh, to be able to look at the way Jesus sees things has been a real blessing to me. Over the amount of time I've been in pastoral ministry, which is more than 30 years, people have come to me and asked me, what should I do in this given situation? How do I handle these sort of people. And thankfully enough, my answer often, most times, has been to look at what Jesus would do. Look at what Jesus would say. Look at how Jesus would handle a given situation because I don't believe there's no situation on earth that we can't see how Jesus would handle it and uh, how he would see things. We live in a world where people look at things differently very differently. People look down on those who have, have any form of disability or don't see things the way we see them. The sad part, I believe, about our world is that people are not seeing the way God sees things. They're not living out their lives the way God wants them to live out their lives. In many cultures of the world, and I'm thankful to a lesser extent in our Western culture, there's a widespread belief that disability is a consequence of sin or the result of some curse on the family or the individual. We're going to be looking at John chapter 9 today. They will be on the board behind you, most of the verses. I can see it pretty clearly, but you won't be able to see it very clearly. I do apologise, that's my fault. The backing I used wasn't like that on my computer, but it is like that on that computer. So you will be able to read it, but it's also to help you get your own Bible out and look at it and follow it on. Most, all of the verses will be from the English Standard Version. So I think it would be good if we pray. And then just ask God to open our hearts and our minds to what he's got for us to look at and see today. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are a great God. 
that you see us in all circumstances and that you have our best interests at heart always. And I pray this morning as we open your word that you would help us to see things from your point of view, through your eyes, and as we see those things that we might be able to think through how we might be able to react and how we might be able to share our lives with others who need to hear, know and see Jesus in a new way. So bless our time this morning and the words are prepared, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 9, let me say verses 1 and 2, this is how it starts and it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Question, strange question, but has two reasons. Firstly, if the disciples had assumed that this man's parents had committed sin that deserved that their baby boy was born blind, I think they failed to realise that God, or that the word of God, tells them quite clearly that that's not the case. The disciples would have known the verse. Back in Ecclesiastes it says this, 7.20 Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. If we were to go with what the disciples and they thought was going on with that understanding, then based on Ecclesiastes, every person born, born in this world would have some disability because of the sin. So first of all, that's not something that we need to look at. Secondly, here was a man who was born blind and there's no way a baby could have sinned in his mother's womb or her mother's womb. Therefore, both counts, this was completely illogical. Sadly, this was the understanding then and even today. Even babies that are conceived are born in, or that are born in this world is a part of God's divine plan. And only when we look at that and only when we understand that will we value our little children. Irrespective of whether they have all the abilities in the world or they have a disability. Have a look at what Jesus' answer was to the disciples. In verse 3 he said this, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. You see very clearly, Jesus was very clear in his response here, very clear, that the situation that the man found himself in was not the result of the sin of his parents, but was that God's mighty power might be manifested through him and God's name would be glorified. Today, if anyone's struggling, I think, to accept their responsibility, or their disabilities, or those of someone they know, or of their child, the Word of God, I believe, assures us that God is in perfect control, and He can and He will 
do the impossible. We read in verses 6 and 7, it says this, Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back. You know, it's easy to read that passage, but there's so much in just those two verses to unpack. I don't know whether I'll be able to unpack them properly, but the amazing miracle that Jesus performed on the man. After Jesus spat on the ground, he made mud with his saliva and he put it on the man's eye and he sent him off to wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I think it's always good to read scripture and read it when you're reading a story like this, to read it in depth, to look at and think through. Now, I would ask, but it's only a question I don't want you to answer, but when you read that, did you think about this fellow, where he was, what was happening in this given situation? I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but this guy had never, he most probably had heard about Jesus, but he'd never seen Jesus because he was blind. The situation he was in seems like he was in that situation most days. And here Jesus comes through and he tells him to come and he spits, makes mud and puts it on his eyes. And he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Even just thinking about that, there's a story in the pool of Siloam I'm not going to go into because we haven't got enough time, but you go and read about the story of the pool of Siloam. But this guy is in this situation, he's blind I don't know whether he's walked to the pool of Siloam before or whether that's his situation. Here he is, faced with this situation. Jesus says, go, and he does it without questioning. And I don't know in that how you think about that, but I think about this guy and I think how daunting that must have been, how fearful it must have been because he's walking after Jesus has done this. I don't know whether he knows where he's going. If he knows the streets he's got to go down to get to go where he's got to go. doesn't say that he asked people to help him get there. It doesn't say any of that. It just says he went. And my mind thinks of all that sort of thing saying, you know, what must have you thought? You know, how must he have walked? Would there have been people to help him? Would there have been people mocking him? Saying, what are you doing, you idiot? I don't know. But he did, he stepped out in faith. And when he stepped out in faith, what happened? The miracle started to happen. Remember and read again, it says, never had anyone seen this happen before because a man born blind or a person born blind had never been healed before. It tells us in scripture there. It says it. This man received the miracle when he stepped out in faith, believing that Jesus had the power to make him see, which was met with mixed reactions. Because as I said, it's good to read the passage of Scripture, look at the whole situation, and look at the people who are playing a part in this passage. Because there's a lot of different people. A lot of different people. 
It goes on from here, verses 8 through to 24. We can identify some of the groups of people. I'm going to give you a few. The unbelieving neighbours, they were there. Group of people, some maybe his neighbours, some know him, know him as a blind beggar. Maybe these people were of two minds as well. While some recognised him as the one who was healed or going to be healed, the other group questioned. They questioned his identity, they questioned his motives. The man who had been born had to confirm and defend his own identity and explain in detail the miracle that Jesus performed. And instead of rejoicing with him, they questioned. You know, isn't it amazing, often when things happen that we can't explain, we question instead of rejoicing. We don't acknowledge the God of the miracle. We question the situation in front of us. It's strange, I think, to me that we live in a world that functions mostly on trust and yet when it comes to matters concerning God, there's so much scepticism. I mean, you think of all of the systems today, there's heaps of them we put our trust in. You know, we think like our health, transport, finance, communication, education and the list goes on and on and yet so many people find it hard to put their trust in the God who created the entire universe and and created all of us. God's wonders and miracles happen around us all day, every day. Yet, we fail to see the way Jesus sees. We fail to act on what God gives us to see and to live on. The next group of people are the ones that cause a lot of stir. This is the Pharisees. They interrogate this guy. The Jewish leaders had a new problem because this guy was healed. As I said before, it hadn't happened before. And it also happened, if you read it again, it happened on the Sabbath, which was a no-no. You know, in those days, the Ten Commandments were what they lived by. We still live by them today, don't get me wrong. But the Ten Commandments those days prohibited work on the Sabbath. Over the years, the rabbis and the scribes knew those Ten Commandments, but they got hold of those Ten Commandments and then they started to add to them to make it harder and harder, make, putting more and more man-made rules and regulations that they had to adhere to, and especially on the Sabbath. So healing on the Sabbath day was considered work and therefore the authenticity of Jesus was now being questioned. In another incident, there was, this was the response of Jesus to those who questioned the disciples plucking the grain, head of grain and eating on the Sabbath. In Mark it says this, Mark 2, 27, 28, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. 
There was love behind the law. Love behind it. But over the years, this had been misunderstood and therefore the true meaning of the law was missed. To me, it's important for us to understand that God desires or his desire for every one of us is to do the things that we need to do and to love him with all our heart. I mean, no wonder when the disciples, not the disciples, the Pharisees asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. That sums up the Ten Commandments. The Pharisees were so blinded by the law and traditions that they could not rejoice in the man or with the man over his healing. They questioned Jesus' deity and declared him to be a sinner. They prided themselves in the fact that they were disciples of Moses and in the bargain missed out on the Messiah whom Moses prophesied about. They assumed that Jesus was breaking the law and in that assumption they thought he was a sinner. Yet Jesus declared in Matthew 5.17 Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfil them. The fact of the matter was that only Jesus could do that. Only he could fulfil all the law and the prophets. Therefore, he was the only one who was worthy to take upon himself the sin of the world and to die a cruel death on a cross for you and me. The legalism of the Pharisees made them doubt who Jesus was and the miracle he had done. To me, it's a caution to those who value tradition of men over the commandments of God. Those who have missed the aspect of love behind the law are still bound by legalism and legalism is a big thing in today's world. The consequences of such legalism was, will lead to self-righteousness which is often accompanied by unbelief and then condemnation of people. When tradition blinds us, we can easily miss out on the truth and begin to flounder in the dark. Another group of people that were there were the other people it talks about. It says this in verse 16, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division amongst them. While some of the Pharisees questioned the authority of Jesus and the miracle, this group of people begged to differ. They realised that Jesus could certainly not be a sinful man as the miracle he performed was unheard of, was amazing. They witnessed a miracle and realised that there was something special about Jesus. I mean, those of us who have experienced God's work in our lives and accepted Jesus as our Saviour, put our trust in him despite of the circumstances, despite of all that we've done wrong, have witnessed a miracle and will continue to witness miracles. Then there are the parents. The Pharisees weren't satisfied with just hearing from the man who was healed. They wondered 
if this whole thing was a mix-up and if the man who claimed to be healed was truly born blind in the first place. So in order to have their doubts clarified, they sought out his parents. They confirmed that the one who was healed was indeed their son, who was indeed born blind, and that he also received his sight. However, if you read the story, they didn't want to share any further details, but palmed off their responsibility to their son, who they said could answer for himself because he was old enough. The real reason, however, if you read it, is because they were afraid to be excommunicated. Verse 22 said his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. The reason was that they were going to be excommunicated, put out of the synagogue. See, there are many people today who in their hearts believe who know that Jesus is who he claimed to be but sadly like the parents of this blind man they're more concerned about losing their place in society, their prominence or wherever it might be they long for acceptance they long for the approval of man and are willing sadly to forfeit They're God-given gifts because they don't accept him. They accept what the world wants. Then there's another one, the man that's healed. Now this guy, the one at the centre of all the controversy, was unmoved. If you read the story, there's some things he says about Jesus to the Pharisees when they were interrogating him. He said things like, he was a prophet in verse 17. He said he was the healer in verse 25. He was available in verse 31. Performs miracle in verse 32. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. He also said he's from God in verse 33. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He then went on to ask them, a pretty confronting question. A question that basically said, do you want to become a disciple of Jesus then? Because of the questioning. The blind man who was healed, remember if you read the story, had never seen Jesus. Never seen Jesus, but his his faith was unshakable. Unmovable. He recognised that Jesus was not just anybody but that he was a prophet, that he was a healer, that he was the Holy One, that he was a miracle worker, that he was the one who was sent by God. The man knew that his confession of Jesus would mean expulsion from the synagogue and that he was ready to do it, face it all. That day, not only was his physical ailment healed, but there was a greater miracle when he saw Jesus through his spiritual eyes. That's what happens 
to all of us when we have this encounter with the living God. We begin to recognise him for all that he truly is. The greatest miracle that one can receive is when they have a life-changing meeting with the Son of God, the risen Saviour. He comes in and transforms our lives and like this blind man who was healed, fills us, fills him with courage, fills us with courage to stand up and to tell people about who he is and what he means to us and what he's done for us. Once this blind guy who had been healed took this bold step to express his view of who Jesus was, he had to face the inevitable. The Pharisees expelled him from the synagogue. They disgraced him. They said he was a sinful man, not worthy to be part of their community. In John 35 to 41, we see how Jesus revealed himself to the man and those who were with him. Let's look at them. Verse 1, oh, no, number 1. The Lord seeks and heals. Verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Remember what's happened here again? Right? Remember, this guy has been healed. He's gone to the pool of Siloam. He hasn't seen Jesus. He's still nowhere near Jesus. So Jesus seeks him out, goes to find him. He does that with all of us. Jesus seeks us. He looks for us. And he invites us but it's up to us if we're going to accept that invitation. You know, this man was one of Jesus' followers now. Remember what scripture says, the good shepherd always takes care of his sheep. Always. Jesus knew that the man had been put out of the synagogue, so he found him and revealed himself to him. I mean, this guy knew his voice, but he'd never seen his face. Luke tells us that what, when, what Jesus came to do, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You know, that's the heart of Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. Those who are hurting, those who are rejected, those who have been put out, outcasts, those who have got no hope in this world, until they put their trust in Jesus and have all the hope. If we're going to see the way Jesus sees, and I hope that's what we're going to do, we need to seek after those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are weary, rejected, the outcasts of society, people without hope. We need to seek after and look and see how we can be Jesus to them. I mean, Scripture says we're meant to be salt and light. You know what light does? You know, salt savours, but also salt makes people thirsty. We should be making people thirsty for Christ. By the way we carry ourselves, by the things we do, the way we speak. 
So also Jesus who revealed himself to us and strengthens our faith. In verse 35 to 37, Jesus heard that they, were, they had cast him out and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Again, as I said, not only did Jesus search for the man, but he also told him, who he was. He revealed himself to be the Son of God. You know, all through Scripture, God reveals himself to us in lots and lots of ways. I don't have to go into all of them, but he does. We have, I believe, an awesome privilege to know God in a personal way. To have a personal relationship with him. We have that privilege to be able to communicate with him any time, all of the time. Knowing that he listens and that he wants to help and that he wants to answer. And the third thing about this uh, Jesus was the, that he was worthy to be worshipped. Verse 38 says, The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. As soon as he realised who Jesus was, he immediate, his immediate response was to worship. That's who Jesus is. That's what he does. When we realise and truly realise who he is, we should want to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not just on a Sunday, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, without exception. He needs to be first in our life continually, not just sometimes. Also tells us that he came to be our judge. In verse 39, Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Jesus declared to the people that And in declaring that, that he come not just to bring salvation, but judgment. Our Lord, or our God, however you want, is a loving God. A caring God. But he's also a just God. And therefore, Judgment's there. Verse 27 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that the judgment. That's in Hebrews 9.27. And then the fifth thing, and the last thing, he rids rids us of our spiritual blindness. These are the words Jesus spoke to the Pharisee and Jews. In verse 39 to 41, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now 
that you say, we see your guilt remains. In this case, tradition and unbelief had so blinded the Jewish leaders that they were unable to realise their own sin and therefore failed to recognise who Jesus really was. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'll ask Sue, because I didn't want her to travel all the way out with me for do nothing. <laughs> no. I just wanted to share just a short story. She'll tell you about it. And it's relevant to what's going on. Gary and I have travelled to... Gary and I have travelled to Thailand for many, many years and since we moved up to Cairns over 18 years ago we've been taking teams there and Carl Cool and Leslie uh, have been with us and uh, we usually take 10 to 14 people, teach English in one area and work with a, a group that gets the kids out of the trafficking trade. Um, but on one occasion we were invited to visit the leprosy mission in Chiang Mai and we went there this day um, two Australian guys run it, a doctor and his wife who was a nurse, been there since he got out of med school so they've been there all their life and they're looking to retire and they can't get anyone to fill the position. So they're old like us I'm not sure what will happen when um, Trevor and Heather leave. But they introduced us to this older lady in a dormitory. All there was in the room were two old iron beds, very clean of course. She was sitting at the bottom of her, her bed, couldn't walk at that stage. She was blind, her hands were gnarled, there were bits missing. Um, She'd been thrown out of her uh, village, left her husband and family behind and the Lord had allowed her to find this leprosy mission. And so when they introduced us as people from Australia, she started speaking in Thai that fast. I speak a little Thai but not enough to understand what she was saying. But Heather said she just wants you to know that if you don't know the Lord Jesus, then you're missing out because she has everything she has ever wanted. And you looked around the room, there was nothing. She couldn't read, she couldn't see pictures, we could never take photos of our family. Um, we ended up taking a soft koala once because she could feel that. But when she said, I have everything I have ever needed, I burst into tears and I knelt down beside her and I hugged her and she said, why is this woman hugging me? And I said, you tell her that I have never heard, nor have I said myself, in our culture that I have everything I need and it changed my life that day. Now I'm not saying we don't have material stuff that we need to live in this crazy world but it just changed my whole perspective and what was really important and I said to her I want to be able to say that one day and truly mean it. We visited her for the next 17 years and then she died and went to be with the Lord. So she's more perfect than me now. She was all, always felt sorry. Oh, I'm a long way from perfect. 
she always felt sorry because I had a skin disease and here she was with leprosy and had everything she ever wanted. Some wonderful stories out of Thailand but that one fits in. She couldn't uh, see physically but her eyes were opened and she could see who the Lord really was. You know, one time when we actually went there, she said to Heather, can you ask, can I feel Sue, touch her? Because I want to know what she's like. And when she felt around, she (laughs) (laughs) she said to Heather, oh, pun ma, which means she's fat. <laughs> but then she went I, to I usually <laughs> told the story. She said she's cuddly, but <laughs> means that. Uh, but then she went on to say she was beautiful. It's all right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't got the key either <laughs> to go home. <laughs> We know Jesus is the light of the world. We've told it. But people around can't see the light of the world unless he shines through you, unless he shines through me. We are sometimes the only Bible someone will read. I think that's quite sobering. Because how do people read Jesus when they see you? The beggar was spiritually blind. Yet that day, both his eyes were open. Why? Because he listened to the words of Jesus. Believed it. Then his eyes were opened. The Pharisees, on the other hand, had great vision. Great ears. They saw, they heard, but they were spiritually blind they would have been able to accept Jesus as well. They had the same opportunity, but they didn't. They saw the change in this blind man. They witnessed the excitement that he had. Jesus is the light of the world. The only people who cannot see the light are blind people and those who refuse to look. People who make themselves blind to him. The beggar was physically blind and at that time spiritually blind. Yet God, through Jesus, opened his eyes. He saw and he was complete. Because he opened his heart to Jesus. I don't know you guys, most of you from Mabara Soap. Important that I tell you 
that Jesus is wanting every one of you to come to know him as your personal saviour. As I said earlier, we're all born sinners, every one of us. We live in a world where we do wrong things every day. That's why Jesus came. To give us the opportunity to stand before a living God and say, I'm sorry. To stand before a living God and say, Jesus, I need you in my heart. Now, I don't know, most of you may have done that. If, if you haven't, the opportunity is there. The blind man heard. You've heard. Now is the time to open your eyes and see spiritually. See Jesus for who he really is. For others of us, you know, it becomes mundane, the Christian life. You know, we live in a world that's lost its way. That's got no hope. Or has the only hope is Jesus. And that's the challenge. As a church, as individuals, we need to see the way Jesus sees and we need to see how we can respond to those around us with the love of Christ. It's up to every one of us as individuals to do it. Let's pray. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have stories like this in your word. We thank you mainly for your word, but the stories in your word that speak of the truth, speak of the challenges. And I know, Father, that we have that opportunity today to give our hearts to you, recommit our lives to you, or just say, that we want you to continue to fill us. And my prayer is that each one of us will seriously examine where we are with you and that we will take steps and that we will, Father, continue to walk with you, talk with you and allow you to shine through us and that we will see with your eyes those that need to hear, know and understand our Saviour. Bless us, bless this, guy, this group of guys here and just, uh, Father, lead them in every way as a church, as individuals and that they might continue to make a difference in this community. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it.